0: So, perfect. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brothers F Bookcast. I'm Diego Fernandez, and today I'm joined by Andrew Andres. And uh, we're going to be covering The Rich Boy by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Now, um, some of you may be wondering how we opted to cover a short story by F. Scott Fitzgerald. And the answer is actually quite simple. Uh, some of my neighbors over here in my apartment building were moving out. They left a big stack of books in, in the lobby before they moved out. And I saw this big anthology of short stories uh, by F. Scott Fitzgerald and I picked it up. And that's how we, we find ourselves here today. It's put together by Matthew J. Brucali. And, uh, you know, kind of before we kick off the conversation, I figured I'd read this little excerpt he included. Head of the short story, just to give you guys a little context. The Rich Boy is Fitzgerald's most important novelette. Uh, So I guess it's a novelette, not a short story. Keep that in mind, Andres. And includes his most promiscuously misquoted sentence, They are different from you and me. He wrote it on Capri, poor thing, as a three-part story while awaiting publication of The Great Gatsby and revised it in Paris. Wow, really poor thing as a two-parter for Red Book magazine, January and February 1926. Anson Hunter was based on Fitzgerald's school friend, Ludlow Fowler. In quotes to a letter to Fowler, I have written a 15,000-word story about you called The Rich Boy. It is so disguised that no one except you and me and maybe two of the girls concerned would recognize, unless you give it away. But it is in a large measure the story of your life. Tone down here and there and simplify. Also, many gaps had to come out of my imagination. It is frank, unsparing, but sympathetic, and I think you will like it. It is one of the best things I have ever won. One O N E. Interesting. I have ever won.
1: <laughs> okay. That's pretty cool. I actually didn't know that it was based off a real person. I mean, like a fool, I just read the story. I didn't really like go to a Wikipedia page, reading the background um so it kind of changes my mental schema now that i know it's like a real person and not just some caricature you know
0: yeah yeah and you're not a fool i mean i i had the benefit of having this little blurb ahead of the story in italic so
1: no yeah because i it sort of felt like almost too much at times like this guy is just too ridiculously like old money rich you know couldn't possibly be real but i guess he is real
0: yeah yeah and i think that um I think that's a great place to kind of start. You know what the what the short story about, about. Um, you know, and just kind of what it signifies. Because to me, it was kind of when I read this, and I must admit, it's been about three weeks since I've read it. But um, it was kind of like a commentary on the rich, the like of the roaring twenties, like the nineteen twenties, rich, or maybe before, whenever. Yeah, it was like in the area, right?
1: or like yeah. They had some like paragraph about this, and he was like, "Oh, like." he was like 1980s money and they could always spot like the, the 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 1880s money and he could always spot the 1910s money or something like that some commentary yeah. could distinguish the the degrees of of like oldness in your wealth
0: yeah and um i guess and also i guess um uh, hand in hand also commentary on i guess uh finding love or whatever in this quest for love so um uh, so, yeah, I think that there were like kind of two um, two pronged approaches. It's funny because when you mentioned that, I, I kind of want to read a line that I remember from it. It was, um, I know we're kind of just jumping in here and you guys won't know who any of these characters are yet, but it was kind of funny. Um, Uncle Robert and his wife Edna had been great friends of Anson's youth and the former was disappointed when his nephew's superiority failed to take a horsey form. He backed him for a city clubbed Club, which was the most difficult in America to enter, one could only join if one's family had helped build up New York, or in other words, were rich before eighteen eighty.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the line I was giving. <laughs> I thought that was
0: a funny line. <laughs>
1: yeah, these little like total lines that the the, the rich people will use to, to to tell who counts and who doesn't. You know, I mean, if you still go to like like I don't know the rich parts of Cape Cod, like I think I've been like once in my life. And my friend was walking me through. She she said like, oh, so that's the that's the such and such country club. That's for new money, and that's the such and such country club. That's for old money, right? <laughs> like these things are still out there.
0: Yeah, they're they're absolutely still out there. It it was yeah, it's interesting. So I guess uh, I'm just curious. You know, what are your kind of initial thoughts on the story? And uh, I know you kind of mentioned you thought it was too extreme at first, but now you see it's a real person want to see kind of how that that kind of shaped your impression of the overall story.
1: Yeah. It's, it's not like so crazy extreme. I will say I started the story sort of expecting to hate the guy for some reason. Um, cause he, yeah, it starts off very strong, sort of putting him this, this classic like blue blood rich guy. Uh, you sort of want to hate him, but then you sort of go through his life and he's certainly not like a super sympathetic character, but nor n- neither is he like very hateable either. He just sort of is a, a dude who does decently well at like navigating people and orchestrating things. Um, and you start to feel a little bad for him by the end because like, I mean, we can talk about this, but the story basically goes from his youth. It describes like where he grew up. G.H., could you meet yourself real quick? You're. Yeah. yeah so his youth, um, it talks about his college days. It says he wasn't particularly popular. I forget why, but it was something about like, people not really trusting him or something. And then he goes to New York and his life really takes off because all the people who didn't really jive with him in college, all of a sudden like learn that he's kind of the man in New York city. Um, He's like the social hub for many, many things. Um, He has a lot of uh, dalliances, so to say, so to speak with women. But there's one that sort of like captures his heart, and who was that? That was Paula D.H. What was her name again? Yes,
0: Paula yeah. Legendre. Uh, I'm probably butchering that pronunci- pronunciation. But yeah,
1: um, and some and sort that's of kind like of type like Legendre. Is that does that mean like legend in French or something? I don't know.
0: You're asking the wrong guy when when it comes to French. <laughs> I can't help you maybe, on that. I
1: maybe I'm barking up the wrong tree there. Um, it's
0: L E G E N D R E. So let me go All on right. google translate real quick legendre to uh detected in uh, let me go to french french to no it is not legend <laughs> in french but
1: well, rip. yes Man, my, but my, my, no my years of duolingo french only only help you so much um but see this this girl really captures his heart, but he's kind of like a very strong personality. And for various reasons, it just doesn't work. Uh, and she goes off and marries a Lowell from Boston, which I find hilarious because a Lowell, the Lowells are sort of like one of the old money Boston Brahmins, you know, like, like, I don't know they have multiple buildings named, named after the Mount Harbor, I think. Um, and you know, so, so going from the New York big money to the Boston old money is like, you know, kind of mm-hmm. the poor guy. So the, you know, the guy goes on with his life. He has like one serious, uh, like serious, I guess, affair. No, I mean the the woman isn't isn't married or anything, but they just like get seriously involved. But she's sort of a ditz, and like Fitzgerald spends a fair bit of time sort of breaking down her psychology, like why she particularly with with her way of thinking, like gravitates th- towards this dude who's like very mysterious and like socially adept, like adept. And sort of orchestrating all the things in the background, and why he sort of went along with it, even if he never really truly loved her. Um, there's one funny section where, like, she tries to play games with him. Like, you know, she like cancels a meeting with him and says, "Sorry, I have another arrangement with this other guy." And like, he sees through it immediately. And he like shows <laughs> the floor. He's like furious. He's like, "We're going for a walk," and they go through a walk to Central Park. And he like explains to her why that was totally out of bounds and why she should never try to play games with him like that. And by the end of the watch, she's like apologizing to him and like asking how she can like like how she could possibly insult the other guy so as to make things right with him. So like it gives you a sense of the guy's personality, I guess. Uh, this this, uh, this rich boy.
0: Yeah, and he does something similar too when he gets like a letter from her or something. <laughs> I think it's in the same vein. Like he gets a letter from her saying like, "Oh, I'm going to be seeing another guy," and he's like, "Oh, okay, go." For it. Like, yeah. no, it's it's definitely interesting. And yeah, like you mentioned. He never seems to be able to get over Paula because, you know, when when they first describe when when F Scott for first describes his relationship with Paula, like it describes how they are like very much in love, but how he's just not willing to commit and settle down and ultimately as bad as you end up feeling for him um, that like, you know, he can never really find love. He was kind of the one who blew it because, you know, Paula multiple times, you know, wanted to get married with him and kind of made that intention pretty clear. And he was kind of being lackadaisical
1: about it, you know, and. Uh, yeah, he, was, he was a drunk, right? There were multiple yeah, scenes where yeah. like, like Paula was like, you got it. You got to chill out. You know, you got to stop being such a partier or like you you can't get like blindly drunk in front of everybody I know and love. Like that's an embarrassment. Please stop. And he would like just not, he would just not listen to her. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because he's, he's too like strong-willed, you know. Um, yeah, but I don't know. It does. It does make you feel kind of sympathetic to the guy because, like, the rest of his life he spends like sort of trying to get over this girl. Um, yeah, and yeah. after he marries this this like like rich Boston type, she then divorces and marries some other guy. I don't know what his name is. Um, he, they, we meet him at the end of the story, right? Yeah, he has like five kids with him, or something, or five ki- three kids with her first husband and two with her second or something um so it just it feels kind of tragic for the poor for the poor rich guy that he spends the rest of his life life hung up on one girl that he'll never get to never get to see again
0: yeah Uh, she actually as as the story explains uh she actually dies during childbirth because when he meets her at that last scene she's pregnant (laughs)
1: yeah
0: so um and it's interesting because uh on, on in that same vein like If you look at how he develops as a character, at first, he's kind of like a drunk. And like, like you said, in college, no one really got along with him. And then everyone started gravitating towards him and he starts dedicating his life as he sees all these, his friends growing up around him and starting to settle down and get married. Like he's the one they go to, like when they have problems in their marriage or when they have questions about like, oh, how do, you know, we're going to have a baby. How do we manage our finances or like all his friends gravitate towards him. And there's a period in his life where he's just feels like, you know, he, he puts all his effort into helping, you know, his friends through these situations, helping his friends kind of have successful marriages. And then um, eventually they just all grow up older and kind of erase him from his life. Like there's that scene at the end where he tries to find all these people to hang out with, you know, he's, he's back home in the city for the weekend. I think they've sold their country estate or something. And he's trying to find someone to hang out with. And he goes from bar to bar to social club, to social club, and there's just no one there. And uh, they, I, I agree with you. You do end up kind of getting very sympathetic towards him, especially after, you know, it's very clear he devoted all this time to saving all these marriages and helping these people out and even saves his uncle's marriage, (laughs) which is pretty, pretty interesting. You know, the, his, his uncle's wife's like having an affair and basically making a mockery of the uncle. And even though him and the uncle aren't like particularly, I mean, they're close, but like their relationship's kind of interesting. He straight up invites both of like the, the, the wife and the and the little young guy she's having an affair with. And he basically makes them hash it out. They meet up for lunch and that's not enough. They meet up for dinner and they're talking till two in the morning, three in the morning
1: and uh yeah you kind of get a sense for how much of like a king of the social the social world he is because like there's sort of rumors of this going around i think the uncle doesn't even know and he just is like for the sake of his family i don't know if it's like love for the uncle so much as like 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 uh i don't know desire to preserve the family name that he again he invites them to to lunch the both of them and of course they deny it and they're all confused and he just is he knows exactly what he wants he knows exactly how to get it he just sits there until they both admit to what was going on and agree for the end he's like here are your options you either well here are the options you have to leave now in one year you my aunt you are allowed to divorce him if you still feel the same way and then you guys can get together um he's just like this is how things are going to go down right um, and the guy, the 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 third guy, the, the one she was having an affair with, um, goes and then kills himself after that conversation. Um, so you got a sense for the, the, the power of will this guy had.
0: Yeah, because they're under no obligation to listen to him. But he's so commanding and just so like knows how to navigate the social scene so well that like they feel obliged. And eventually they go from denying it to admitting it to fighting back to then just – throwing their hands up and saying, you're right. All right, this is what we're going to do. We have to accept the terms of your deal, even though this guy should, you know, in theory, have no say over any of that. So it's, it's interesting.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I'm thinking more about the part you mentioned where he finally, like, didn't know who to hang out with. Um, that was almost a little, I mean, it's, it's sad, but it's almost a little funny to me, right? Because this is a guy who is, like, so on top of the social scene, right? That he has never had a Friday off where he didn't know what to do, right? Like, and this is like the first time in his life that he has to face down, like a Friday evening, where people aren't like begging him to come over and see them, or people aren't at his beck and call, or people didn't even tell him that they were going out for the weekend. Like, normally he'd like to keep tabs on people. Um, Yeah. So, kind of a very interesting. Yeah. Which is funny for me to think about. That's the exact point where, where Fitzgerald has Paula reenter his life. Um, And they, they bump into each other serendipitously. Uh, And he gets invited over for dinner and he stays the night. Uh, Not in like a sordid way, like uh, like they just like put him up on the couch or something. Right. Um, And, you know, it's sort of, Cements, I think, in his mind that he's never going to be able to love Paula again because she's always going to be taken, and that is always going to be sort of a, a, a empty hole in his heart. Um, so I think later on he resigns himself to like never finding love again. He gets very sad, and his his uh, his company is like, "Dude, what's wrong with you? You need to have a vacation." And they send him off to Europe. Actually, they're like, "You got to do this. You got to take like six months, and you got to like work there for a little bit just clear your head." So the narrator of the story is build as I don't know, like a what? Do, what is? What is he? Jage? Is he like a journalist or something?
0: No, he's like a, he works on at a bank. I think he's like a trader of some sorts. Yeah. Um, the narrator? Oh, oh no, not the narrator. No, no, no. I thought you were talking about um Anson.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, the narrator like some journalist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Have we even mentioned his name? The, the the guy's name is like Anson. What's his last name?
0: I think it's Anson. Let me tell you right here. I'm gonna tell you right now Anson Hunter, I think.
1: Yeah, that's it. Anson Hunter. Cool yeah blood names. Anson Hunter. Um what is it? Yeah, so he he goes on this cruise with the the narrator of the story, who's like some journalist or something. I think it's supposed to basically just be F. Scott Fitzgerald. It, yeah. Now that, now that yes. this is a real person, right? Um and they're on this cruise and um You know, he's kind of down. He's not really having a good time. And he, at this point, he's already learned that Paula has died in childbirth. So, like, the one love of his life is dead. Um, And he's in this big funk. And then all of a sudden, he sees a beautiful girl. He's like, huh, I'm going to, I think we're going to have dinner with her tonight. And he goes off, and he finds her, and they get into a conversation. And lo and behold, they have dinner, right? And then for the rest of the cruise, or I guess back then, that was just how you got to Europe. The rest of the, 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 the shipping time. Um, they're always talking, always chatting, and they're like having a grand old time. Um, and I think it kind of, that sort of is a happy note to end on because, um, it sort of is billed as not like, all is lost.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, there's
1: a like, resolution to his to his sadness, right? It's like actually, like it's all fixed m- more so than all is lost. He was on this big friend from life. He thought he was never going to find love. He thought that these sort of social dynamics that he thrived in were over and done. He would never get them again. And lo and behold, he finds this young woman who like is willing to sort of play along and laugh at his jokes and make him feel like popular and loved again. Um, So it's like, I don't know, Fitzgerald sort of gave his, his character a happy ending in the end, you know?
0: Yes, I completely agree. It was definitely, I I think it was a happy ending and a note of like optimism. Like he, throughout this, throughout the latter half of the story, he's always resigning himself. Like I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to find love. Like you kind of mentioned, like he's over Paula. And if it wasn't Paula, it was going to be no one. And that's kind of like a resounding theme. And it gets to the point where literally his coworkers force him to take a vacation. He does not take that vacation willingly. They're like, because the way they describe it is he was just kind of a depressing guy to be around, you know, before he was always vivacious and they loved being around him. And he had kind of lost that energy is the way, uh, If Scott Fitzgerald describes him, they kind of literally force him to take a few months off and go on vacation. Um, And it's interesting because all this like demise happens at the same time as, you know, he doesn't become destitute or poor, but basically his family loses the wealth they had because his, his parents die and then they have to sell the estate, but he's one of six children. And after state tax and everything, there's like really not that much money to go around. So he has a good job and everything, but he's lost kind of that old money he had. And that's all happening while he's kind of resigning himself to never going to ever find a, uh, a wife.
1: Yeah, it's, and, it's funny to me because like he, I mean, he's still very wealthy, right? He has a good banking job. He's like top, top, top level society. But I, I guess just the dynamic is that if you don't have the large estate in the countryside and the, the like huge bank account with like a big, big nest egg that you can always turn back to that. You're not considered old money. Maybe I don't really know.
0: Yeah. You're just not considered in that top tier. You can have the job, but you know, you need that kind of family history, that country estate, like you said, yeah. and they, if they lost. You only
1: have a banking job and you don't have an estate in the countryside. Wow. That's very blue collar. You know? I know.
0: <laughs> And I think he's also, uh, I guess, financially responsible now for some of his younger siblings too. So as much money as he is making, he also does have, you know, obligations there as well. So it's interesting because that's all happening concurrently with him. Sorry for using that nerdy word. It's happening at the same time as as him, you know, resigning himself. And then I, I really do think that, like you said, it does end on an optimistic note. Like not all is lost. I'm curious i'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can find anything on um, Lolow Fowler. Let's see if there's anything on him.
1: Yeah that was, I that was if, because when I first started the story, I kind of expected to hate the guy and to want to see him like collapse. I thought that would be like mildly cathartic, um, even if it's kind of mean, just because you get this like classic rich boy character, you know, like mm-hmm. you can I'm sure you I'm sure many many listeners have met the type every like once before, and you know, he's not a very sympathetic guy but he kind of redeems himself over the course of the story. Like not, he's not perfect. You got to sort of wonder what his motivations are. Like, why does he, you know, like stop his, his, his aunt's affair. Why does he take it upon himself to raise his family and take care of his kids and manage the family? Is it really because he loves them or is it more because he wants to, sort of, um, you know, maintain the family dignity, maybe a bit of both. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, you know, truthfully, I got the impression that it was, um, it was kind of genuine just because of all the work he put in to his friends relationships, you know, like, uh, there's a big chunk of the story kind of dedicated to that where he's like, all in on helping his friends who are getting married, save enough money to have a kid, like find apartments, how to manage their money. And he's doing this all like, I don't know, the impression I got was out of the goodness of his heart. So then when his uncle's in trouble, or not in trouble, but like when this is going on with his his uncle, I feel like there were there was definitely aspects of both. You know, he did want to save his family name. But at the same time, he also, uh, I don't know, I feel like he he had a genuine, the impression I got was that he had a genuine desire to see his uncle happy and not have to go through this disgrace. Like he didn't even know, and he didn't want to think about his uncle finding out but I don't know, maybe that was just my impression. No, I
1: mean, he de- there's definitely like part of that. I think it's like a very richly drawn character and he definitely feels some sense of love and loyalty to his uncle. But I think there is also a sense of like, no, let me save the family name. I can't let this this silly aunt of mine like spoil everything. I think the same might be true for, for, his, for his family and his friends and all these things is that, yeah, there maybe is some sense of obligation and desire to help, but I don't think it's wholly that, right? Remember that the, there's a in the scene where he finally like has a Friday night with nobody to hang out with, and he's horrified. He's like, "What, what am I going to do?" Right? Um, there's one family that he visits, and he rings the doorbell, and the like butler comes or something, and says, "I'm sorry, they're out this weekend. They they won't be around." Um, and he's like really insulted because he's like, "Oh, well, back in the day, they would they would never leave town and go to the countryside without telling me." Like I think this game gets a lot of fun out of being sort of the king of the situation and that everybody sort of runs things by him first. Um, and like, you know, part of that is like, Oh, I want to help people. But part of that is also like, I want people to like, you know, I want to be able to keep tabs on people and have them sort of see me as the king of the situation. That makes sense. I don't know if I explained that exactly the way I thought of it, but, um, I think he just he gains a lot of, of like satisfaction out of being that guy. Um yeah. and helping people all the time just sort of cements his position as that guy.
0: So I guess uh just to um transition the conversation a bit, you know, it something I found out while reading this was that F. Scott Fitzgerald kinda had very strong opinions about the old rich, kinda like the rich in Scots. He himself didn't exactly grow up wealthy, you know, his dad, um, they were by no means poor, but you know, his dad had gotten laid off from a few jobs. They had to move from like Buffalo to Minneapolis to, they, they had to move around to kind of, um, cause you know, his father kept getting laid off and stuff. And I don't know, right at the beginning of the story, the, the third paragraph, he's, he's got an interesting blurb and I, I wanted to see what you think about this. Cause this is before he jumps in kind of talking about answer this is before we're introduced to the character. Let me tell you about the very rich. They are different from you and me. They possess and enjoy early and it does something to them, makes them soft where where we are hard and cynical where we are trustful in a way that unless you were born rich, it is very difficult to understand. They think deep in their hearts that they are better than we are because we had to discover the compensations and refuges of life for ourselves. Even when they enter deep into our world or sink below us, they still think, that they are better than we are. They are different. The only way I can describe young Anson Hunter is to approach him as if he were a foreigner and cling stubbornly to my point of view. If I accept his for a moment, I'm lost. I have nothing to show you, but a preposterous movie. I'm just kind of interested what you thought about that.
1: Gosh, I mean, he has three paragraphs of stuff that's in that vein before the story really dives in. Um, and it's three paragraphs, like, philosophizing on, like, characters and types and plurals and rich boys and stuff, right? Um, and to be honest, I'm not sure I liked it. Uh, maybe I just don't really get it yet. But, like, it just like this sort of very wafty, philosophical, abstract. And, like, what is a person? What is a rich person, right? And then he dives into the story, which I liked a lot. Because it's, like, sort of sp- spitting out the character was a very entertaining story to follow along with. So if it had been, like, you know, like, Twenty paragraphs of sort of like rhapsodizing about the the subtleties of what it is to be a person and a character and a type. I would have hated this short story. I'm glad that he just sort of limited himself and dove right into the interesting stuff later.
0: Yeah, I, I actually thought,
1: completely what, what agree. Sorry, what were your thoughts about the uh, section?
0: No, I actually completely agree that because you look you read the rest of the story and none of it's like that at all. Like, there's no like kind of wafty narrative about. The difference in classes like he j- the rest of the story it's like three paragraphs and then the rest of the story is just about Anson hunter and and, and the actual you know the rich boy basically and so it did, I, I agree that it didn't really fit and like yeah th- to be honest maybe this is just because I, I didn't read closely into it i also didn't really see what it added to like the bulk of the story right besides yeah F. scott for telling us he hated like, the rich
1: <laughs> i don't know maybe F. scott for is just extremely big brained and is working on a level where this is to his eyes absolutely essential to the story maybe i don't know like this is just he felt like he should add some sort of like intro that sort of walked it around a bit before he dove in um Maybe he thought it would be, like, illuminating to the story in a meaningful way, but it just didn't really click. There's a lot of possibilities. Either way, I don't fully get it myself. I don't really even understand what he's getting at with some of this stuff. Like, the first line of the story is, begin with an individual. And before you know it, before you know it, you find that you have created a type. Begin with a type. And bef- and find that you have created nothing. That is because we're all queer fish. Queer behind our faces and voices than we want anyone to know. Or that, more than we know ourselves, right? It's like, yeah, we're getting at there, man. like
0: it's odd. And I guess for the most superficial reading, the like guy didn't spend much time thinking about this at all. Was I guess he's just trying to set the stage, like this is how the very rich live. This is you know, this is a different breed of human. You know, just kind of trying to emphasize the fact that Anson was very rich, um, and like you know, they they live a little differently than. The rest of america or new york i guess in this case but um other than yeah. that i didn't really you gather much from it somebody,
1: somebody really finds this stuff meaningful and like that it contributes a lot to the story i just i mean i don't know it, it sounds kind of like like to my ears like it just tr- tries to sound like this and it doesn't really click in my head so i don't know maybe somebody out there i mean you said like that line that he had about uh, what is it? You you mentioned a line early on and said...
0: Oh, they are different from you and me. It's one of the most promiscuously misquoted sentences of his. Mm-hmm. Promiscuously
1: misquoted. How do people misquote it?
0: I don't know. Maybe in English classes, it's brought up as a, you know, you know the great Gatsby being his most famous work also having to do with the uber wealthy. Uh, maybe a lot of English teachers like misquoting it and trying to pin F. Scott Fitzgerald is more of a, you know, trying to attack the rich and like someone who was upset with the rich. And maybe that's, that's kind of the impression I got, but. I see what you um, mean.
1: Yeah. I mean, he definitely doesn't feel like a rich guy. I, I think I, I don't know. I guess I must've looked this up before I started reading because I remember reading something by F. Scott Fitzgerald talking about the story sort of abstractly. And what did he say? He said like, he went to Princeton, but he wasn't like the classic Princeton guy when he was there. He yeah. always was a bit of an outsider, sort of dealing with uh, like all these old money, rich New England types that were there as well. So I guess that's why that's why the story is interesting to read. Like this is a guy who has spent a lot of time dealing with the uber old rich, um, and has a lot of thoughts about the way they work and the way they think. So he could like yeah. draw. A very convincing and well fleshed out character and not just reduce it to oh rich person bad or something
0: yeah and i think the setting's important too because this was published in 1926 uh and you know it was the roaring 20s right and the really rich were really 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 rich you know you had your maybe i'm getting the time frame wrong but i'm pretty sure you had your carnegie's your rockefellers you know you had some uh you know i read something once that uh, what was his name? Clark Rockefeller or Andrew Rockefeller? I don't even know. Let me see. Rockefeller individual guy. Um, his name was uh, John D. Rockefeller. Well, I didn't even get any of those right. Um, he, if you if you take about if you take into account how much he had money, how much money he had when he had it, and like put it in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one terms, he was the richest individual to have ever lived and it's like not um, even close so it's like the rich were extremely rich so maybe you know there was a little bit of that i think maybe you gotta set the setting too because it was during the roaring 20s so that might be something about it and there was a lot more back then i feel like a lot more old wealth like in the upper social scenes i mean i'm sure there's some of that now but like back then it was very clear who had the money you know and maybe maybe it's just a commentary on that
1: yeah i guess back then also they didn't sequester themselves in like um like they didn't all move to suburbs of new york city right they sort of were finally distributed in all the major cities and there was sort of a regional elite to every area um yeah i don't know i was just thinking like you had the john d rockefellers richest guy who ever lived he didn't even have a space startup to pour his money into to send people to mars right like what do you please how did he find meaning in life
0: no that's a good point i've never actually thought of that um you know but yeah i guess uh any any closing thoughts before we wrap this up Uh, i don't
1: know i enjoyed the story i think overall
0: yeah i definitely enjoyed it too and uh um, it was an easy read and I had no idea that he had published so many short, so many short stories, um, in his day, apparently that's how he made money, you know, in his life. That's how authors used to make money back then. You, uh, would publish short stories in magazines and they would pay you kind of a nice fee if, if they were published. That's how Stephen King started out of his career. But I guess with the dawn of the internet and everything, that's kind of. Gone by the wayward, but um, yeah,
1: I guess there's still echoes of that. I guess if you like become a good blogger, then you could build up an audience, and I don't know, yeah, your ad money rolling them, start a sub stack.
0: I did read um, the preface to this by uh, Bricoli, and apparently, at the beginning of his career, so around this time, like in the 1920s, F. Scott Fitzgerald was you know a fan of short stories, but later on, like, um because the the great Gatsby really didn't become popular until after he, he died that kind of young. Uh, he kind of drank himself to death. Um, he did not enjoy writing short stories in the later part of his life. Um, he did not find it fruitful, but at the beginning he did. And so I think, uh, I've been kind of focused, I've read a few, I've been reading them in chronological order, which is what they're in here, which is the order they're in here right now. And, um, you can tell, like he, he put a lot of effort into these stories. So uh, it's, we'll probably cover a few more on this podcast bookcast. Sorry, guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think it's 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 kind of fun that you just found this book randomly, and then I, I I love sort of serendipitous finds like that. Like, how do you run into this book? Who cares? And it just sort of becomes uh, your next read. I enjoy that a lot. Yeah.
0: All right. Well. Thank you everyone for listening and we hope you continue to tune in. Don't forget to like and subscribe and uh, always shoot us your recommendations if you want us to cover any book or, or novelette in particular. So definitely let us know. Thank you for joining. Yeah. Hey everyone, this is Swamp and I just wanted to make sure that you subscribe to The Brothers F on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you have Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, make sure to follow us
1: there too. See you next
0: time on The Brothers F.